Hello and welcome to the Golden Power Hour podcast, where we are opening doors through open minds in real estate. I'm Kristen Steed. And I'm Carrie Bedore, and we are with Golden Link Real Estate Services. Golden Link specializes in real estate agent development with a vision of helping people live the best life ever. It doesn't matter if you're brand new in real estate or you've been in real estate for years. The things that we are going to talk about are things that you can implement into your real estate business and you could live the best life ever. And Kristen, we have a fun topic to talk about today, right? Oh, don't you know it? So today we're talking about five must-have stress relievers in real estate. Wait, wait, wait. There's stress in real estate? <laughs> oh, that's, you know what? You're right. Probably not. This topic probably doesn't make any sense. Yeah, we end this podcast. Like, I think we should just pick a different topic. Or stinking stress. <laughs> real estate. That is so funny. Well, you know, I think it is a good topic because any job comes with stress, anything that you do. And from a career path standpoint, or you're living your passion or however you look at it, living life comes with some stress. So I'm excited to talk about these five must have items that are going to help alleviate some of that stress when you lean into what they are. But I have a question for you personally, um, because you didn't prepare me for this. I don't know what you're going to ask. I know. I love, I love putting you in the hot seat. I think it is so fun. Um, what I want to know, curious minds, right? I'm curious minds want to know, what do you do personally? Like we all uh, relieve stress differently in life, right? Some people like, oh, when I feel really stressed, I just want to go out for a run. And some people are like, when I feel stressed, like I like to, you know, sit down and read a good book <laughs> and, you know, do whatever. You like, know what it is. You know what it is. What is it? <laughs> I watch TikTok now. <laughs> TikTok is your stress reliever. <laughs> you know what? It's like it lets you escape down this like rabbit hole, and it's like you can learn things, and you like watch some of these people, and you're it's so entertaining, and you just kind of like forget about things. And unfortunately, sometimes it eats up more time than you realize. But th- that's probably not a healthy stress reliever. But that's what that's what I like to dive down right now is. Is, is TikTok. It's, it's, it's fun. So, okay. I'm not kidding you. So of course, when I was thinking about like asking you this question, I had to think like, what would I answer? Like, what's my stress reliever? What, you know, what would I say? Mine was TikTok. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you know, this, like it's super new for me because I am not big into it. But what I'm so fascinated by on that platform is the authenticity that comes through like, and and the, like the vulnerability, like the, like people just being themselves, like putting it out there. Like, I think we're in this like social phase of radical acceptance, you know, with like body positivity and just people being comfortable with, with who they are. And so I do think it is fascinating I do have learner in my top five strengths. So like, as you said, to go out there and learn new things like tips and tricks and animal rescues and just, there's so many things. Hairstyles, makeup. I mean, there's so many things to to look at and, and learn about. I mean, 
it's fun. I find it entertaining. I find it fun. And I love it because the format is, I don't think you can go more than three minutes on there. So it's like little quick videos. And interestingly enough, I think that it's highlighting attention spans for when people are looking at marketing stuff. So, but we can talk about that in a different podcast because you know, I love marketing, right? So Kristen, when we were putting this together, you had some research that actually backed up a correlation of your job and stress. Can you talk a little bit about that before we jump into the meat and potatoes of this podcast today? Yes. Well, first, I think it's important that our listeners know that the topics that we choose to record podcasts on are very strategic and intentional. You opened up saying like, right, we're here to help people live the best life ever. And it doesn't matter how long you've been in real estate. We're going to focus on delivering content that really does help make your life in real estate better. And so when we can pick topics that are relevant, that are are skill-based, that help focus on agent development, I think it is super important. So we're more than just like pretty faces that are really funny. Like there's, there is a seriousness that goes into, to what we do. And so when it comes to this topic and the five stress relievers, you know, what we know and the the studies show us is that globally one in three people strongly agree that they have the materials and equipment they need to do their job right. So this just happens to be a question that is on Gallup's engagement survey, and it is the strongest indicator of job stress. So what's fascinating about this is that we're not just talking about tangible items like here is your hammer and here is your saw. Now you have the things that you need to do, you know, to do your job because we're talking about humans. And if we know anything about humans, right, they are complicated (laughs) beauties. TikTok tells us so. (laughs) But we are, right? Everyone is different. We know that. And so when you are feeling frustrated and the expectations or goals seem impossible to achieve, it's likely that it has something to do with this. Like, do you have what it is that you need to do your job? And it could be like real tools, like, you know, CRM and I need a really good camera or, you know, whatever the things that may be, but it also can be things like empowerment and confidence and grit and hustle. And, you know, there, there's a lot of different things, communication, like we've talked about that in some of our previous podcasts. So I have spent the last decade or so of my life working in the space of like sales strategies, sales leadership strategies, working in cultural development, talent management, and engagement. And so I am seriously so jacked up about being able to take years and years and years of expertise and apply it to the real estate industry to really help agents. Because one of the things that I think is so fascinating about this career path is that each individual has full control over unlocking limitless potential. Like you are bossom. Like you are like you, you get to, you are bossom. You're bossom. I like to make up words, right? Like you're a boss and you're awesome. And it doesn't matter again, if you're part of a team, if you're an independent, like you are in so much control, like you're not at the mercy of all of these other corporate confines that exist in some of these other career paths. So 
anyways, I'm getting really excited, as you can tell, because then I start, I get really rambly. Hey, Chris, can you go back? Just the listeners might not know what or who Gallup is and, and what they do. Can you just give them a high level overview of what Gallup is? So Gallup is an analytics firm that focuses on leadership topics and helps to remove barriers for individuals and in, in organizations. And like hands down, one of the things that I say about Gallup is that like, because everything that they do is backed in like science and research, it makes their data so credible. So like, first, I also like to say is like, Gallup has nothing to do with this podcast. Gallup is not a sponsor of this podcast. Like Gallup does, doesn't know who I am, but I am <laughs> such a fan girl of Gallup stuff. Mostly because, you know, when we talk about something like one in three people feel or 87% of this, like when we, when we're using data and statistics, it's like, tell me it's wrong. I will fight you because it's backed in so much research. Like there are studies upon studies upon studies, decades and decades of research looking into these topics. That's who Gallup is. I strongly encourage if you're not familiar with Gallup to go and check them out. There's so much information that they, have and that they do to basically help people unlock their natural strengths and talents to help organizations or leaders create engaged cultures where people are mission-driven, satisfied in the work that they're doing, highly engaged. Gallup is one of those really strong go-tos that when you're looking for, how do I build a great team? You know, how do I stay engaged in what I'm doing? They have tools and resources that can help you to figure that out. That's awesome. I mean, you're, you kind of just ooze that your love for Gallup. I also want to say that one of the reasons why I do love Gallup the way that I do is because I've personally experienced the growth and development of like leaning into understanding the science and the research. There are 34 themes in the way that Gallup approaches uh, strengths. There are lots of assessments that are out there, like DISC assessment, personality assessment, Myers-Briggs, what have you. Now, you know, Gallup does a really good job, one, because the psychology of it is anchored in what if we focus on what we did well versus always focusing on weaknesses? You know, so when when you think about you know, the way we grew up, let's say, and we got our report cards from school, elementary school, although now the report cards are so complicated and different now, you know, it's like you could have A, 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 C, A, A, A. It's like, what do you think people focus on right away? C, what happened there? What did you do? What's going on? Why is that wrong? So, as a society, we have been hardwired to attack our weaknesses like crazy. The psychology of what they do is focusing on like lean into your strengths, focus on what it is that you're good at, and then get help for the rest. Like don't try to be something that you're not. And so I just wanted to make that last point of like, I am such a believer because I personally have over years and years and years of, of really leaning into the research and the data have been able to hone in on my skill set, understand how I'm naturally wired to think. And I've been able to remove some stress and frustration from the way I approach to do things because I am really becoming more accepting of myself, who I am and how I do things. And then I let other people do the good things that they're good at. Rant over. (laughs) 
Kristen, I just absolutely love talking with you about this because I personally learn a lot from you having just gone through and doing a a Gallup assessment myself as we are continuing to work with each other. And it is definitely fascinating. And I love that the things that we are trying to bring are agent development focused. And it's not just, you know, how to negotiate contracts. And I love that we're really diving into some things that, you know, today there's going to be some obvious things and then some technical things. And none of them are going to be a big surprise, but I think the way that you think about them and what they can do to relieve the stress in your real estate business and, you know, really drive up your job satisfaction is going to genuinely help you live a better life. And that's what we are, are anchored in, in what we do at Golden Link is we, we genuinely want agents to be successful, but success is measured in a lot of different ways, right? It's not necessarily making the most money. Like we, real estate's lucrative. You can make a ton of money in real estate and you can take that money and go do amazing things for yourself, for your family, for society. I mean, there's, there's so many things that come with it. Right. But if you're doing this in a way that is making you unhappy or you're causing issues with your family or your health, sometimes that career path might not seem like it's worth it. So I love what we're going to talk about today, Kristen. And I love the actual science that backs up reducing stress in your career can really help you live the best life ever. Some of these things that we're going to talk about are going to be interchangeable into other careers. So if you're an agent that's listening to this, you might be able to sit down with your spouse or sit down with your kids or your best friend or other colleagues and share them with that. So are we ready to get started? We are. So let's start with the fun stuff. So full disclosure, One of the things I love to do when we're getting ready to record a podcast is not only do I like data research and science, you know, that we can anchor things into, but I also like to get like public opinion polls. So (laughs) I did, I I go out into social every once in a while and like, I'll post questions and find out like, what do other people think about this? Like other people that are in the industry, like what's top of mind for them. So we got some funny responses back. (laughs) So like, I was reading those responses and I was like, okay. <laughs> like which one? What's what's one of them that was like, okay. A pen. <laughs> yes. Because I was thinking to myself, like, do people still use pens? <laughs> what's paper? <laughs> Just, you know, I mean, well, I'm what do we call them now? We're like, like, oh, we got a wet sign this. <laughs> yes. Yes. Are you, do you still require a wet signature on this? Like, oh, you need a pen. Like I, I just, I chuckle at some of that, especially when you, if you've been in the industry for a long time and you know, like I was listening to something the other day where it was talking about how all the offers were faxed over. Like imagine like back in the day, like you're waiting, you're waiting by the fax machine for everything to load and each page to start printing one by one. I'm thermal paper. Yeah. And then yes. you get to the end of the roll and the pages are like rolling up. The corners yes. are rolling up. 
gosh, that is, that is so funny. So, but there were the whole concept of it is that when we think about like, do you have what you need to do the job right? There were some of these obvious answers like a pen or a license, a computer, or I couldn't live without my phone, you know? And so think about some of those basic things that you need to do the job that like, if you're phone, if you lost your phone, your phone died on you or whatever, think of how hard it is to get the stuff done that you need to get done. But then there's the technical things, right? So like one of the conversations that we had about from a technical standpoint was Carrie, you were talking about Canva. Canva is to me, a game changer for real estate agents. You know, I have a strong background in marketing and have always been an, an Adobe user. And I don't, I barely use it anymore now because Canva has made it so darn easy to allow real estate agents to go in and make not just visually pleasing items that are there, but it has a lot of range where they can go in and import their own photos and put their watermark on that. They can make brochures. They are able to make videos right in there. It's free. You can pay like $13 a month and get access to the pro version. But what's amazing about it is it's definitely a tool that agents need to know how to use so they can use that to get their properties out there to use on social media, create brochures. It's a lot cheaper than paying a graphic designer to come in and do it. You know, there's tutorials, there's classes out there. So any agent that is interested in wanting to do that stuff, they can go out there and take a look at it. So I'm starting to see Canva commercials actually on TV now. So I'm like, yay, I love Canva. It's awesome. It is. And I I think from a technical sense though, too, Carrie, is that the way we consume media nowadays, you know, we were joking around about TikTok in the very beginning, but I think, right, the point that you were making too is it is morphing or shaping the way we consume content today. We want quick and easy digestible pieces of information. Like Canva has that ability to allow you to deliver and display your message in such a receivable way that makes it really easy. And it's not obviously a requirement. Like there are lots of agents who get through the day-to-day without using Canva. You know, there every every firm or brokerage is going to have their own specifications on, on, on how things work. But for the agents that are really active out there, um, putting content out to help, you know, continue to build their business, it's such a strong and powerful powerful tool for them to use to be able to do that. And here's the other thing too, Chris, is that there are ready-made templates out there. So you can work fast and get content out there very quickly. You can modify it to what your colors are. You can bring in your own brand elements in there, whether you have a logo from your firm or maybe you're on a team or, you know, you have your own personal style or logo, you know, you're able to kind of go in and create that branding super quick, super fast. And if you don't have a ton of design skill, they've got those templates there that you can just go in and kind of mess around with. So it's very easy to use. It's not for everybody. Some people are just like, that's not my thing. But for those who really want to get things done, get them quick. And you know me, I love to say always lead with revenue, right? Especially if you're a new agent, 
you don't have to make a big investment in this and it's going to give you a ton of value. So that's why we kind of put this in one of those technical things that a real estate agent could use to kind of reduce some stress in their life. I love it. There are other technical things that we were talking about, like, you know, why good photography matters or, you know, having (laughs) a strong CRM or tracking system, you know, like the ability to navigate some of these different like social platforms and whatnot. Is there anything else that you would add to the technical list or comments about any of those things that we talked about? Um, No, I think, you know, the great photography, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, you need a professional photographer. And I think a professional photographer does amazing work. CRMs, you know me, I could get into a two hour discussion about CRMs because they have a special place in my heart. Oh, Um, oh, oh. and Carrie, I had to tell our listeners, if you missed the debut of Carrie's stand up career on her (laughs) joke for CRMs, make sure you go and listen to our last podcast episode on real estate agent expectations. Sorry, I had to throw that in there because I thought it was so funny. I didn't think it was that funny, but I'm, I but think I think it was funny, so funny. But I think it's funny that you thought it was funny. Yeah, <laughs> because it's so cheesy. Like you make cheesy look easy. <laughs> you make cheesy you make cheesy look easy. Okay. Um, and then ability to navigate social platforms. I think that, you know, technically if you're not out on social media and knowing and understanding your social platforms and how to engage with your prospective clients, your sphere of influence, like you're definitely missing out. So these are technical things outside of the things that your broker provides you. You know, I know that you're going to have things like dot loop or DocuSign to make sure that your contracts get loaded in and and can get taken care of. These are things just kind of outside of what your broker is potentially providing and things that you can go in and use you can implement these very easily into your business and, you know, definitely reduce some stress. But Kristen, these are not the must have stress relievers that we put together, are they? They are not. So I'm excited to get into this list. So we're going to talk about five must have stress relievers in real estate. And number one on the list is drum roll please goals why goals why do you think having goals in real estate is a stress reliever well here's the thing is that so many agents come in and they don't set any goals you know they they get stuck in the hustle and the grind and they don't know exactly what their what their goals are and the reality is is if they come in and they establish what their goals are for the year, you can break those goals down into smaller goals, into actionable steps that you can hold yourself accountable to make sure that you're getting done. If your goal is a number, okay, like a, a, you want to make a certain amount of money, you're able to back into that goal from the standpoint of identifying how many houses that you would need to sell in your market based on the average sales price in your market and the average commission that is paid in your market, which is going to be different all over the place, right? And then you can break that down into, well, how many buyers do I need to work with? How many sellers do I need to work with? And then even back that into, 
how many conversations do I need to be having to be going on appointments for these particular to, to talk with people, to get the referrals. Where are my referrals coming from? Where are my leads coming from? Who am I talking to? What am I saying? So while the goal is maybe to make a certain dollar amount, let's just say $100,000 a year. Okay. It seems to be a pretty popular number that people want to hit, especially when they're first kind of getting started. Like I want to make six figures, right? If you take the time and really back into what it takes to make $100,000, in your particular market that you're in, it's going to give you a number of transactions that you're going to need. And you can let that drive everything you do on a daily, on a weekly, on a monthly basis. It's measurable. There are activities that you can do that are going to drive you to that. And I will tell you that those who do this on a consistent basis are meeting or exceeding their goals. Worst case scenario, if you set a moonshot goal. So let's say I'm like, you know, I made a hundred thousand dollars last year and I want to double it and I want to make $200,000. Okay. Would you be mad if you made 150? Probably not, right? But if you set that goal out there and you're working towards it every single day and you're very clear on where you're at and what you and, and what you need to do, you will have less stress in your life because you're going to know that you're meeting your financial obligation to that, right? And and, and that's that's the financial side of it, but it it gives you clarity too, right? I mean, goal setting. <laughs> is a lot of clarity on where you're going and, and what you need to be doing on a daily basis. It does. And it reminds me of when we were talking about agent expectations in our last podcast, like one, my sales strategy background, this old formula is coming back to me where it was a times E equals R. And the formula was activities times effectiveness equals results. And so you were talking about that. And I loved how you teed that up because it's like, whatever your goals are, if you get pretty granular with them and understand what it's going to take to actually get you there. Like you can start to self-assess and analyze like what is working for me? Where am I seeing the success? Where am I most effective in the activities that I am doing that are helping me get the results that I want? Because there are lots of people, you know, who go out there and they're doing stuff. They're doing activities, lots of activities, but they're not seeing the results that they want because they're not effective. And I think the simplest analogy I I can give not related to real estate. Cause I love to speak in analogies. It's like, I could go on the treadmill every day and I could read a book and casually like stroll on the treadmill. But if I'm not huffing and puffing and giving her, I'm not going to see any results or changes if that's what I want to get out of it. So it's like people who are going out and like, well, yeah, I talked to some people and I, I did my prospecting activities, but they're just not effective. It's like, then you're doing it wrong. So I think that's part of the great thing about having goals is being able to really have a plan in place. What is that um, saying? Fail to plan, plan to fail. It really helps you have that plan in uh, place to succeed. And then the other piece of it is real estate is complex. There are lots of moving parts to this industry, lots of distractions that can pop up. This is why goal setting and having goals is a stress reliever because there 
anchoring points for you in your day-to-day life. So when you want to stay aligned to your goals and what you want to achieve and what you want to get out of a career in real estate, these goals help you anchor back to what are the things that I need to be doing to be successful? Why did I start this in the first place? What is it that I wanted? So having these goals can kind of be that lighthouse on a foggy day, like help you recenter yourself and know where you need to be focusing your time and efforts and make the adjustments that you need so that you can be successful. It's just a vital, vital tool that you need to reduce your stress. And it it brings us right into the next one, which is your budget. And I have seen a lot of real estate agents um, come into the business, whether they're brand new or they're a couple years in, or they're established and they're wondering, should I spend money on this or should I spend money on that? And the, the number two is budgeting. And sometimes when you're a brand new agent, you really got to take into consideration what your personal budget is, as well as your business budget. And I kind of mentioned it before, and it's a philosophy that I learned from a great mentor of mine, and it is to lead with revenue. So unless you have a unlimited amount of cash that you're willing to invest in your real estate business to get it up and going, which some people do, but you know, but most are coming in with a small investment, right? Cause there's an investment in getting licensed. There's an investment to buying signs. You know, there's, there's all of these things that you need to, um, to, to worry about when you're, when you're first getting started before you're even starting to make any money, right? Like you're spending money in a business it is not a job. It's, it is, it is a business and you have to think like a business owner. And that's why a budget is, is critical. You've got to know how long you can go without making money in the first couple months of being a real estate agent. And then really understanding how your commission splits work between what your market commissions are, because it's different everywhere based on transactions. What is the split that you potentially have with a, with your broker? Are you on a real estate team? There's usually another split from there. So when you break it all down, do you really know, you know, what your, we're going to make on a particular transaction that's coming in and then starting to factor in things like I said before professional photography market rates are going to vary you know and we're in Wisconsin and we see you know real estate photographers are charging between like 100 and 150 dollars per home great investment if you're an established agent but maybe if you're just getting started maybe you have a friend that can take photos or you have you know you can you can use your cell phone which I know some people are probably cringing but a lot of agents do a lot of new agents do So you really got to understand your budget and what you can spend money on and what makes sense to spend money on. I actually got a text message from a client of mine last night and she said to me, Hey, what is the best place to spend 
money on buying leads. And so we went through, you know, some of the lead resources that are there, that are out there. And there are some lead resources that don't charge you any money up front, but charge you a referral fee on the back, which means from a budgeting standpoint, you don't have to take any money out of your pocket up front to, to have the leads not pay off. But what you do is you pay on the, on the back end of it, a referral fee, which is, is slightly higher than most referral fees because they range between like 25 to 35%. And typically we see about 25%, but it is a cost of doing business that for your budget can make a lot of sense. So you're not going in and coming up with a bunch of monthly fees where traditionally places like Zillow are going to say, you know, what's your ad spend and you, you spend so much in a particular zip code and, and bring that in great opportunity to do that if you have the budget to do so. And then, so you can really make these decisions on both a personal budgeting side, you know, knowing and understanding how much money, you know, am I going to be able to make and what does my cut look like? So I can bring my, my budget down. And then how much are you investing in, into your business? You know, you have, let's say you make $5,000 in commission on, on a home. Okay. And you've got to pay a percentage to your broker. You've got to pay a percentage, maybe out to a referral source. What are you left over with? Now you've got to take out taxes because we're 1099 employees. So you have to budget for that. And then you have expenses associated with that particular transaction, whether it was a listing and you paid for marketing, you paid for photography. If it was a buyer, you know, how much time did you spend with them? You were probably driving around looking at homes. So you really want to take into consideration things within your budget and, and really take kind of a deep dive to that because if you know where you stand in a lot of these numbers in your head, right, it's going to release some stress in your real estate business. And it is one of the biggest reasons why people fail out of the business is that it, they're not making enough money or it's cost, they've spent too much money and, you know, the return on their investment is not there. And it just, they, they just give it up and, you know, turn to a different career because it is, a, it can get overwhelming and get very stressful. I love how you tie it back to stress because that is what this is all about. Five must have stress relievers in real estate. And from a budgeting standpoint, it makes me think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and on the base of that triangle lives survival. If you don't have the money to put a roof over your head and food on your table, all the other things that you're talking about, Carrie, it makes it so much stressful to, to want to invest in some of those areas, which can make the job just so much more challenging to do. So with clear goals and then having a solid budget, understanding your business budget and your personal budget, those things are so, so important for people, you know, to thrive in this industry. The third item on our list. Another must have stress reliever in real estate is a coach or a mentor. And I do think that 
the two are different. We had a conversation um, with a client a couple weeks back when we were talking about what's the difference between coaching and mentorship. And I will say that like, I'm a fan of both. I have personally had both in my lifetime. I've had amazing mentors and I have had awesome coaches. The way I define this and, you know, please challenge me if you see it differently is a mentor is more um, someone who is helping to guide you, someone who has been there before. You know, maybe you're not paying a mentor to mentor you, you know, but it's more of someone that's part of your organization or institution, someone who has been in the industry before that has kind of helped show you the ropes and, and navigate through some of these things. Whereas a coach is really there to help dig into your performance customly tailored to you. It's not necessarily about, let me explain to you how I've done this in the past, but let's dig into who you are, what it is that you want to accomplish. And then let me help you as your coach guide you to the success and the results that you're, you're looking to get. So I guess before we dig into the nitty gritty, would you add anything or change anything about what's the difference between a mentor and a coach? No, I think you articulated it very well. And I definitely have had amazing mentors in my career and they are really those ones who just show up. They, they show up, they're usually within the organization or have some type of intimate knowledge of you or the business that you're in. And they're just giving, right? They're showing you the ropes. They're giving you great and honest feedback where, where a coach is really helping you set goals and holding you accountable to, to reaching those goals. A coach might not be an expert in your particular field and, you know, might be, you know, different types of coaches that are, are definitely out there, but they can definitely, they can guide you and hold you accountable and, and motivate you and sometimes call you out. They know how to have tough conversations and, and actually you'll have that with a mentor and a coach as well. But I will tell you that no matter, and you could have both in your life and many do, right? And I will tell you that me personally, I can probably name five people that have, throughout my career, have shaped me as a person, personally, as well as my career, because they were, they cared enough to sit down and have a really tough conversation with me. And that to me is probably one of the most humbling experiences because you said before, we don't like to focus on our weaknesses, right? And it's super true. Like when you do get those C's on the report card, you know, sometimes people can help you identify that, Hey, don't worry about that C on your report card, right? Like you're so awesome over here, but let's talk about the things that you could do to either bring that C up or just not worry about it, right? Like find someone else to do it. And I think that they're also the coaches and, and mentors can really help you go to the next level. If you're willing to be open with them, you have to have the mindset to be able to work with a coach and mentor and it has to be the right time in your life and in your career to work with somebody to to make you better and 
you can outgrow them. Like sometimes a coach might only be in your in your realm or your business for a short period of time to maybe get you over a hump or to kind of get you into the next piece. And then it's time to move on to a different type of coach. And that's definitely, you know, something that, that you'll see throughout the real estate industry and depending on what you're, what you're growing into or where your needs actually are. So Kristen, I'm sure you have something more to add with this as well. I, of course I do. Cause I love it. First of all, one of the examples I want to give, because I know you love Tom Brady. I right? do love Brady. <laughs> so, you a know, when I think of, I think of like a superior athlete, so successful, like Tom Brady, he uses coaches, all sorts of different coaches for all different types of things. So I, you know, I love the example that you were giving about like, sometimes they're not a specialist, like in your industry, you know, Tom Brady, isn't getting coaching from another, you know, MVP multi Super Bowl winning, you know, person who's done it before, but really smart tacticians who know what Tom's goals are, what he wants to achieve and where he wants to get better. And so you start to see how all of these things, all of these stress relievers start to like come together. Like you want to, you want to have your goals. You want to know where it is that you want, what you want to grow into. You know, you need to have your budget so that you know that your basic needs are being met and that you have the, the resources to be able to, to get to where you're going and make the investments in the right spot. And then those um, coaches are mentors can be really good at drilling into the specifics of like of helping you get to where you want to go. I love the humbling piece that you touched on because you know I'm a huge believer in servant leadership and servant leadership um, in some areas kind of gets a rap of being like a fluffy like leadership philosophy, but that's not at all the case because servant leaders can have really great but difficult conversations with people because it comes from a place of care and concern. Like I care about you and I hear and I see what it is that you want to achieve. And I'm not going to sugarcoat and tell you exactly what it is that you want or you think you need to hear. I'm going to tell you the real deal so that I can help you get there. You know, so I think that those pieces are, are so important, you know, to know that like a coach can have those really difficult conversations where sometimes when you go to the people around you and they're not as invested in it as is what you want them to be like, yeah, looks good. Like they'll give you some like surface level feedback and affirm the direction that you're headed and never challenging you to grow. And then that's the other piece of like, it's okay to outgrow your coach and a good coach is going to anticipate and expect that that should happen. And they should encourage that growth to take place. So I think that it is, it's just so important important to get there. And when we're talking about coaching, you know, I do think that like behavior change, shaping and changing behaviors is such a challenging thing to do. So it's okay. And it's highly encouraged that when you want to start doing something different, whether you're looking to grow your business in a different direction, you know, implement different tactics or behaviors in your routines. It's this whole concept of practice makes permanent a coach can really help you solidify some of those best practices in your business.
business to help you get there. So I am such a huge supporter of, of coaching and understand in this industry why it is so critical, especially if it is that you want to rise to the top, you want to level up, you want to continue to refine your skill set and, and how you're getting there. There's nothing better than a good coach or mentor to help you get there. I couldn't agree more, Kristen. Absolutely. Okay. So number four is empathy. And Kristen, we had a really, really great conversation as we took a deeper dive into empathy. And I'm going to let you explain it because I think that the way I I actually learned something about empathy, even talking with you, preparing for this podcast. And it was almost like an aha for me when I realized what empathy can do for you in the real estate business. And when you really understand it and understand how to apply that into your business, it, it, Kristen, you like genuinely helped me with that. And I think it's something that I'm going to carry with me through the rest of my career, but, you know, tell our listeners a little bit about where empathy comes from and how that can really help reduce your stress in real estate. Okay. I love it. So empathy I think is interesting that it made this list most. And and I want to talk about the reason why first, are you in real estate and have you ever been annoyed by other people? (laughs) (laughs) If that answer is yes, then maybe empathy can help because here's the deal. I know I'm being cheesy, but when it comes to people, like I think that there is a lot of stress that can happen in this industry. And a lot of that stress can be caused by other people and the way that they react to different situations. When we talk about empathy, it's about not only understanding how people are feeling, like being able to see the feeling emotion, but expressing to other people that you really get it. So it's this, this joke, like you get into real estate and you think it's going to be like the shows you see on TV where you're doing like extreme makeovers and it's really fun and you're finding dream homes and everything's perfect and fuzzy, but then you're dealing with things like, um, home inspections and contracts and down payments. And, you know, you have, if you've dealt with the people who, you know, do the final walkthrough and they're nitpicking every little thing that they see in the house. And it's just, the stress is building, the stress is building and people are just getting really frustrated with it. So what I believe with empathy is that it can be a superpower of a stress reliever. It's really about being able to not only see what are the things that are causing people to feel that way, that is then driving their behaviors to react a specific way. Because if you can start to lean into it and really become more empathetic, it allows you to cut some of that stuff off right before it even starts. Like if you start to anticipate the needs of others, communicate through some of those things, help to manage their expectations. Empathy is a superpower that really can help you do that. Now, there are some people in, in my career I've come across, they'll say like, I'm just not empathetic. Like, I just don't have the patience for it. I'm just not empathetic. And so what I love to talk about when it comes to empathy, there are those of us who 
feel very deeply, right? Like we could tell like, oh, you're sad. This is frustrating. You're scared. You're worried. And then there are other people who are like, I just don't get it. Like, I don't get the feeling part of it. But there's this thing that's also called cognitive empathy, right? So if you are not a person who leads with the warm and fuzzies and the feeling is not the first thing that pops out to you, you can, if you are empathetic and you can imagine why someone would feel that way, you could think about the situational factors that might cause those feelings and kind of back into empathy for a stronger uh, response. So, you know, I think hands down the simple part of it is, is that empathy really does demonstrate understanding. The better you get at doing that and expressing that it is a superpower for diffusing high emotional situations, trying to breeze over empathy and and just like not doing it and just push through the problem solving it, you know, people can get even more heightened emotionally and those heightened emotions can just cause for really stressful transactions or interactions. So again, another analogy I'd like to use is if you've ever told an erotic person to just calm down and then the automatic is response is I'm not going to calm down, right? Like you think about that type of example is that when things get stressful or intense, empathy and pausing after you empathize with somebody can help to diffuse the situation and allow everyone to go into problem solving mode. So what you will find from a stress reliever um, standpoint is that if you're naturally empathetic, this probably is just easy for you and you're already doing it. If you're a listener and you find yourself where this does not come as natural to you, <laughs> Carrie's like, that's me, that's me, that's me. It, it is, it's an art. It really is an art form. You have to be very patient. It's about getting into that human psychology of other people and that know that there's a benefit in it for you and it's a benefit. there's a benefit in it for the people that you serve. And so what's probably gonna happen first when you get started is you're going to get into the middle of a really intense situation and you're going to want to react the way that you normally do, which is like, these people are ridiculous and get really mad and frustrated, which is going to just drive up the cortisol and the stress in your body. And it's going to make everything feel more intense. But in that moment, if you could pause and think to yourself, like, this is a moment where I can bring empathy into this interaction and try to bring everyone's stress levels down. The more you practice that, the better you will be at it. And then you will find that those high stress interactions that you're having with different personality types and people start to become a lot easier for you and everyone else. And then the success is just going to flow through it. So I, it's one of those non-tangible things, right? It's not like the budget. It's not like the goals. It's not like the, the photography or the camera, like all those other things. Like it's one of those real, real skills, life skills, communication skills that you can develop, that you can make stronger. And I do think is a huge stress reliever when you can be really mindful of where your levels of empathy are and what that looks like in your interactions. Wow. And that is exactly why I asked you to explain that because it was, it hit so many good spots and anybody who is listening to this podcast has had situations with clients where there are moments that you need to be empathetic, especially right now with it being a, such a strong seller's market and buyers are just getting beat up. And you have to have that skill where you're not frustrated, right? 
you are, you're empathetic with them in that situation. And I will tell you that empathy is going to create rapport and a memorable experience with you. And it is likely that is, you're going to have a client for life and you will also get referrals from that client because they're going to feel that you really took the time and to know and understand them and made them feel a certain way. Right. Cause we remember how, how we feel about things. It's such a big part of our experience in life. Right. We don't always remember the way that somebody feet um, what somebody has done for us, but we remember how they made them feel and empathy is able to do that for you and give you an opportunity to really have that strong connection with a, with a client. And I'm going to tell you, there is nothing that can relieve your stress, like getting a text message or a phone call or, or an email or a social media DM that says, Hey, I have a, I have a friend or I have a um, coworker or I have a family member that's looking to sell their house from someone that you helped. And I truly believe that empathy can really take that super far because in everything that you said, Kristen was just so spot on. It's non-tangible, but it's a must have stress reliever in the real estate world. It is. And I just want to add this last point before we go into our final stress reliever, because you were touching on the whole aspect of experience. And I absolutely love that you did that. And I'm a huge experience guru, as you know, that like, I love the, the whole concept of creating that memorable experience and have experience in measuring customer experiences. Okay. And so there's been a lot of research done, like net promoter score is one of those things that are out there to gauge like people's sentiment towards a brand. And it's really about on a scale, the likelihood to refer someone to a friend or family. So you would think that that is huge, which it is. And I'm not denying that it's huge, but the strongest indicator in experience measurement of whether or not somebody is going to do business with you again is if it was easier than they thought it would be to do business with you. There is an actual measurement for that. People could love you and they could love everything about the experience. And they said, absolutely, I would recommend them. But if that experience for them wasn't easier than they thought it would be, the likely of them actually taking action and using you for their next transaction goes down. And so when you think about how different and unique humans are, we could, again, do a whole nother podcast just on this topic. Think about the people who want to do everything electronically versus the people who are like scared of the technology and they don't want to touch it. So if you don't learn to adjust and adapt your style, which is a big part of what we're talking about with empathy, like you have to understand someone who didn't grow up with technology in their hand may be a little bit hesitant to sign a contract um, on the largest financial purchase they've probably ever made in their life without having that reassurance of having someone sitting right next to them. For that individual, your ability to demonstrate empathy in that 
transaction is going to be, it's going to resonate with them and how they felt throughout the experience. And if you make it easier for them than they thought it would be, and that's going to be different for everybody, you're going to continue to see that repeat business, deliver those experiences that have people keep coming back to you. So I just wanted to make that point because you brought up the whole experience factor and I'm like, oh yes, that it's a major component. Empathy sounds like fluffy and soft and, you know, people are just annoying and I don't understand why they all feel this way. And if they could just get over their feelings, (laughs) everything would be easier. But when you can, like those feelings are a sign. It's like an operations manual. Like if you lean into it and pay attention, you will know how to tailor your interactions to help create those experiences for others. Kristen, oh my God, that was so good. I love customer experience too, client experience, experience in general. And I can guarantee that we will have a podcast on that talking about client experience. This definitely leads us into our final must have stress relievers for real estate. And I think that it's a super obvious one but it is so critical to a real estate business and it is your sphere of influence. And here's the thing that we have discovered in a sphere of influence. I have sat down with brand new agents that have, you know, they're newer to an area and they're like, I don't know anybody. And it's like, yes, you do. You know, people you've got neighbors you go to the grocery store, you are, you know, do you have a dentist? Do you have a doctor? Do you have a, you know, a barber or hairstylist? You know, do you have kids? Your kids go to school. Do you know, do you know their teachers? Your sphere of influence is really something that you need to work on and you need to communicate with and you need to grow on a daily basis. And there's a direct line to how much money you make versus how many people that you know. And these people know you. They know you somehow, right? They've, they've either had an interaction with you. They've had relationships with you because it could be your friends and family, of course. Like we definitely put friends and family in there. But these are people that are going to be your little sales army. They're the ones that might not be buying or selling a house right now, but they're the ones that you continue to have conversations with. So when their dentist or their sister-in-law or their neighbor or coworker decides that they want to put their house on the market, they can say, Hey, I have somebody that you need to need to work with. And it's going to be you right now. And we talked about this in our, in our last episode, new agents come in and they think, oh, I'm going to be a real estate agent. And I've got, I know all these people and they're all going to use me. And then they find out that one of their best friends, sisters just put their house in the market with, you know, another person. And you're like, oh my gosh, why didn't you call me? Because, you know, we're, we're besties and that's not how it works. That's how we want it to work, but it's not how it works. You need to have conversations with your sphere of influence and grow your sphere of influence on a daily basis. If it's not something that you're doing every single day, you 
will have stress in your, in your real estate world, because those people will go and use someone else. If you're not talking to them, somebody else is. And if you want to be top of mind, when they're either thinking of making a transaction themselves, or when it comes time for them to make a referral, you need to stay in front and in contact with them, but you've got to do it in a real way. Like mm-hmm. it not feel salesy. If one of my gr- good friends called me, you know, every month and was like, Hey, Carrie, I'm just wondering if you and Jeremy are thinking of putting your house on the market. I would be like, no, I'm not <laughs> like, why do you keep calling me? So you've got to get creative in the ways that you build and talk to your sphere of influence. And if you can master this, you will have more business. You'll meet your goals. You'll be able to do amazing things with your budget, like hiring a mentor. And then you can really practice that empathy and build your business and truly set bigger goals in life than maybe you've even experienced just by having real conversations and real relationships with people that are in your world. I have to bring it up again. I know we've talked about TikTok a couple of times. And here's how I think that this relates to sphere is authenticity. So I'm not saying use TikTok or anything like that. What I am saying is that your sphere has so much to do with people that you know, and that people that trust you. And if you are showing up as different versions of yourself all over the place, like that can be something that does break trust. I think it is so important. Like you're saying, Carrie is like, don't just be like sales, 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 sales. Like these are authentic relationships that you're investing in, that you're cultivating, that you're developing, and that you're continuing to invest your time and energy into. And that's where the the reciprocation comes back and being mindful that when you are your true and authentic self, you have a natural way of presenting yourself while still keeping top of mind what it is that you do that's where your sphere becomes so important. And you gave a stat, I think it was, or maybe it was a challenge of like, go ask a experienced agent where their last 10 transactions came from. And the number was like mind boggling how many transactions are generated from your, your sphere versus all of these other actions and activities that you're doing. Right. I mean, the number was seven out of 10 come from your sphere of influence, which means that they're either referred to you or those people know you some way, somehow. Those are not people that you're spending thousands of dollars a month on Zillow to get. So what that always tells us is when we dig into transaction histories with an existing agent, when we're really kind of trying to find the bright spots in their business, we can really start to to find patterns that emerge that tell us we have to have more conversations with our sphere because that's where the business is coming from. And I love this story. It is so funny. I had a lady that had called me to see a foreclosure property and it was like a $72,000 HUD foreclosure home. And it's not a big commission or anything like that. Right. But of course, 
I showed up and I did my thing and made great conversations with her and found out what, what was important to her. She was very detailed. So I knew that I needed to be on my detailed game and we had a great transaction. They didn't buy that particular home. They actually ended up buying a home that was almost $200,000, which number one is telling you that if you like don't bypass those, those small buyers that are out there, I hear some agents, you know, ask, well, I don't really want to work with buyers that are this much, right? And because it's not worth my time if, if I go out there and do that. Those are going to be seasoned agents. New agents will take what they can get. But here's the, the great part of this, okay? And this is where your sphere of influence comes in, right? We had a great transaction. It was hugging. We gave presents back and forth to each other. I got a text message from her on Christmas Eve, the year that they purchased their house. And she said, hey, my dad is moving back to the area. And I told him he needs to use my favorite realtor. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so sweet. Thank you so much. I would be honored, you know, to help your dad and proceeded to tell me that he had a budget of up to $800,000 because he was an anesthesiologist. And, and then I ended up selling her sister's house and helping her buy another house. So there was, it was over a million dollars worth of business that came from building a relationship that somebody came through my my business line, right, for a $72,000 buyer and, you know, ended, and ended up turning into that, that big relationship. And the reason why I think that's so important is because they are now all in my sphere of influence. That one person that I did a great job and was truly authentic, showed up as myself, you know, had care and concern, understood, knew the cat's name, knew the cat was sick. Her mom died in between, checked in with her every once in a while, because I'm not going to be the type of person that is going to do my reach out to my sphere and say, Hey, do you know anyone who's looking to buy or sell? I'm going to reach out and say like, Hey, how's whiskers doing? Or I'm so sorry to hear about your mom. How, you know, how's everything going? You build those real and authentic relationships from that. And it's just proof. Cause this is just one story, right? We could talk about stories like this all the time, but your sphere will work for you when you treat them right. And you have a real relationship with them. That's so beautiful, Carrie. And you just affirmed empathy totally belongs on this list because, the, <laughs> you know, when you, the way you just described it, that was a very empathetic approach and authentic approach to cultivating those relationships with people that you've interacted with in the past. And the whole point again of sphere of influence and building those real relationships, being a stress reliever, when seven out of 10 of your last transactions come from that sphere, and we know all these things are connected. It helps you hit your goals. It helps support your budget. It helps you be able to continue to invest in your development. If you're working with a coach so that you can continue to drive and reach those goals. And then those are the types of things that are going to help you find a very long and fulfilling 
fulfilling career in real estate. Don't be a statistic. Don't be one of those agents who comes in trailblazing, burns through everything that they've got, and then needs to go find a corporate nine to five job because they just couldn't hack it. Like, you know, lean into the development, become self-aware of where your strengths are and what's working well for you and listen to finding the tools and resources that are going to help you find your own unique approach to being successful in this industry, because it is not an industry where you can just mimic the actions of the people who you think are successful, because you have no idea what is happening behind the scenes. You don't see the whole hustle picture. You don't know what's happening. You have to find your own way. Um, When it's authentic and natural, that's where you're going to unlock your true potential and success. Absolutely, Kristen. And that is all that we have for today's Golden Power Hour podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode and are looking for more ways to develop and grow your real estate business, please do us a favor. Check us out on mygoldenlink.com. Look for us on social media. We're always posting some great nuggets of information out there. And have a great day and stay golden. Bye.